Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. It's going to be interesting to hear uh, hear this uh, podcast and find out if it's more echoey than our usual setup. Um, that's a really thrilling note to open with, but if there's any sort of slight, we're, we're quoting, recording in a different location today than usual in our office. So if, that, if you're wondering why we sound slightly different, that's the explanation why. A room very slightly bigger than the other room we're in. Yes. Barely bigger. Yeah. But we'll see. Anyways, um, it's been, March is really beginning. March is really starting to kick us in the ass. And yet there's plenty of little crazy things happening alongside the big crazy things. And one of them was this week's, uh, last week's, as you listen to this, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And Ben, how much do we want to get into spoilers about this one? Um, I think we're going to be relatively safe. One of the things that was both frustrating and I guess slightly liberating in watching the reviews and news pour in on last Wednesday as you're listening to this was that they were pretty open and frank about what has happened in this episode and and maybe not we don't necessarily need to get into the specifics of how Mm -hmm. so much as what uh, but if you're some sort of sunny purist and you haven't been made aware of this already which would be fairly shocking I guess prime yourself yes Um, basically it's the the show, which is just finished its twelfth season, is greenlit for a thirteenth and fourteenth. There's going to be more of Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, said goodbye to Dennis, which as played by Len Howerton, and that's a pretty big deal given that he's been one of the core trio of the show since the very beginning. And you know, right? You know, executive produces and it alongside Rob Mahoney and Charlie Day. And I probably butchered the pronunciation of Rob McEnany's name just then and just now. <laughs> I I'm think just, it's M C E L E. I always, I Fuck, never, I, I, I always McElhenney? copy and paste it. McElhenney, I think, because I don't trust like myself. But yeah, he's a he's a core creator on the show. He's a, he's a producer, writer, star, big deal. And him leaving the show is is also a very big deal. And and honestly, <clears throat> what combined to make the episode so powerful was both within the narrative and how it was constructed and that it was a fairly emotional episode in and of itself along with the news that broke you know shortly before the episode aired that glenn howerton confirmed that he may in fact be leaving the show and it's not confirmed uh no he he, did well no it, it it's not he said he was leaving. He said he, for sure he was leaving. No, he conf- he confirmed that it was it was on the table. He confirmed that right. this was a this was an option moving forward. The show is going to go on an extended hiatus, so we don't know exactly when season thirteen is going to come back. And if they do come back, um, they we don't know whether or not Howerton will be a part of it. If right. you just watch the episode, I don't think you would necessarily expect him to be gone. If there was no outside context, you wouldn't necessarily expect season thirteen to premiere without. <laughs> without Dennis, yeah. uh, but given you know the interviews that he did and, and what he's told people, that that very much seems like a possibility, and it's definitely something they're discussing. Like they're trying to figure out what's going to be best for the show moving forward. And given how aggressive, given how ambitious, given how I mean, frankly, very very smart the se- the twelfth season was, um, I feel like they are looking for new creative ways to take the show forward so this might be one of the reasons why as well as his pilot even though he says that'll have no effect on the show yeah actually um i did a set visit to this to to the to patty's pub uh back last summer and one thing 
I didn't actually include in any of the coverage I did. I, I wrote two different pieces thanks to that set visit. One was about the show's record with the Emmys, and one was about uh, just kind of the, the musical episode that launched the season. But one thing that did definitely come out of those conversations was the idea that they are very conscious of having done the show for 12 years um, and very conscious of the fact that they are tired and maybe maybe do want new creative challenges like I think they're pretty I think if you you I basically asked them do you see this going forever and they were like no um and the the second it becomes a problem the second they don't want to do it anymore is when they should stop doing it and that could be the case for Howerton in this situation that being said this is really the first time they've ever discussed a possibility of an ending and after the pickup for season 13 and 14 it seemed like this was, you know, a fairly certain endeavor to continue for the foreseeable future. And obviously the, the show will continue at least for two more seasons. Um, but this has been the first marking that an ending may come sooner than we thought. Like that yeah. it may not be a kind of Simpsons ongoing episodic adventure. Which is fair and totally justified. But what to broaden the conversation beyond Sunny in Philadelphia, the what what intrigued me about this was just the general the, the general impact that a cast changeup has, like when you know, we've all have, I'm sure everyone right off the bat can think of at least one show where they stopped liking it because their favorite cast member left. Um, I feel like, I mean, for me, uh, let's see, Misfits is a big one um, because did I just steal that from you? No. Okay, Misfits was a big one for me because uh, I really loved Robert Sheehan. Sheehan's performance. I'm probably also mispronouncing his last name. This is my day for mispronouncing names, last names from the British Isles. Uh, but uh, anyways, Misfits Misfits really needed uh, that character. Nathan, I believe it was Nathan, right? Or, oh gosh, it's been too long since I watched Misfits. And you know why? Because they got rid of my favorite character and thus the show suffered. And it only went on for what, three seasons? Uh, five. Five? Yeah, no, Shocking. but they replaced him with a different actor and uh, who is now actually, uh, he plays a vamp. I'm blanking on his name, but he's the actor who plays the vampire Cassidy on, uh, on Preacher now. And uh, yeah, so uh, he was fine, but he just wasn't the same. And so uh, I drifted away from the show. Well, it's, it's interesting too, kind of depending on the show itself, because I mean, it's television. A lot of your involvement and your your uh, obsession over it is based in character. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's one of the things where why we love television so much is you get to spend so much time with these characters, um, as opposed to films where you only get them for two hour doses and then maybe it continues in a sequel. But this we get it every week and you get it for hours and hours and hours, you know, hundreds of hours on, if you're lucky. Um, so losing a character can be a substantial loss for certain series, and at the same time. Other series, you know, they find ways to push forward. I mean, Homeland, I think, is an interesting example of this because it feels like it lost a lot of its buzz and a little bit of its respect when Damian Lewis left the series after season three. Um, but at the same time, season four was an incredibly strong step forward. It, was, it, did, um, it, it did its own thing. It moved in a new direction. It didn't ignore the past, but it also didn't feel like it was really missing Damian Lewis. Uh, as much as fans felt like they missed Damian Lewis. And that's that's kind of a, a tough thing to judge for yourself because a lot of people watch it strictly for the characters and a lot of people watch it because they love good storytelling. And if you're looking for good storytelling on Homeland, it, it existed well beyond season three. Yeah. But if you're just watching because you liked the dynamic between um, Carrie and Brody. Brody, then yeah, you're going to be in trouble. 
What's interesting, I mean, the tech, I've heard people say that the, also the problem with Homeland was that Brody stayed on too long. And that the show critically might have been might have ha- might have avoided a weak season three if they'd gotten rid of him sooner, but that's that's a that's a lot of apples and oranges. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really tough debate considering they originally thought about getting rid of him at the end of the first season. Yeah. So then once they pushed through season two and had still incredible success with it, both with the ratings and with critics, uh, you know, keeping him on for one more and giving him a proper goodbye seems like a logical step to make, especially yeah. when they were clearly aware of where they were taking it throughout season three. Yeah. You know, but it's a really good point you're making about about uh, about characters, especially like even because I I know from myself uh, there was a phase uh, in the pre in the pre in the scary pre Netflix instant days uh, when you what when you wanted to watch television you watched it on a television. Um, I got I would I got into a, a real cycle of if if there if Law and Order was on I would watch the beginning of the episode. And, and through the credits, and then I would see who, who, who what, epi- what era of the show this came from. And depending on who was the lead DA, I would either stay, keep watching or turn it off. Uh, not a fan of uh, Michael Moriarty. I'm a Sam Waterston girl, pure and true. Yeah, those, those kind of episodic stuff is, is so dependent on the characters yeah. because they're the reason you're watching. Like I, there's there's some drama within the case of the week, but usually it's their ongoing narratives or just their general likability that keeps you hooked to that show. Yeah, it's part of the, it's part of like why I think procedurals have such an impact is because you know, it's a familiar it's a familiar cycle. It you know, you can trust you can trust that a law and order episode will be a law and order episode and not anything crazy. I mean, and that's not why that's not a signpost of great TV or very good TV, even, but it is you know sometimes sometimes you want that comfort food. Sometimes you want to you know curl up and know that at the end of the day the lead DAs will have something poignant to say and they'll drift off and executive producer Dick Wolf will flash up. Yeah, and it's uh, more to the point of the characters. That's why Mark Har- Mark Harmon is the highest paid actor on TV. Mm-hmm. It's why the Big Bang Theory people can negotiate their sa- salaries for whatever the f they want, and it's why the Modern Family crew has like such a strong advantage going into their own contract negotiations uh, with ABC and, and the studio. So um, it, it's it's important to put that kind of thing into context when examining what the loss of a character means to the show. And what's interesting to me about Sunny is that they've experimented in very small doses with replacing characters before mm-hmm. or with adding characters. I mean, if you if you don't remember all the way back to the origin or original episodes of the yeah. series, Danny DeVito wasn't in it. Yeah. So they when they added him in, it changed the dynamic considerably and it's, you know, obviously grown and become something that people love and share it. And he's one of, you know, the favorites among all of the favorites really. But, uh, but he's a highlight, and, and they've been able to do individual episodes that are highlights for Frank. And moreover, they've experimented with, like, kind of replacing Mac when Sean William Scott showed up as his cousin. Oh, yeah. And they liked Mac's cousin better than Mac. And then, you know, fate decided what happened there. Right. Um, we also had Jason Sudeikis come in as one of, their, one of the former members of the gang. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, everybody really liked him, but he was more of a Charlie replacement because Charlie didn't get along with Sudeikis' character. So it was, they've never really experimented that I can remember with replacing Dennis. Dennis has been fairly integral to the series considering he's Mac's roommate slash best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, Frank's son. He's Dee's sister. Like, he's right at the heart of this thing. Not to mention, he's a sociopath and learning the layers of his <laughs> his psychology has been quite the endeavor over the seasons. Um, so losing that would be a considerable character loss. 
And at the same time, you can kind of see how Sonny could continue, at least in the short term, without Dennis. Because of the implication. Exactly. Um, two fun facts for you. One is that Caitlin Olson was not the original Sweet D. Uh, she was uh, replaced. Uh, she replaced another actress named Jordan Reed, I believe, uh, in uh, when they when they shot the actual pilot as opposed to the home video test pilot that they made originally. Um, fun fact number two is that I believe it's pretty much officially on the record that Sunny in Philadelphia would not have gone on beyond a first season without adding Danny DeVito. Like if, if or it wouldn't have gone to a third season. Like Danny DeVito has basically. It's basically been, I think, said before that Danny DeVito saved the show. So it is an interesting point of adding a cast member and creating something new and different. Um, in terms of in terms of lead cast members leaving, is there a show that like where it ruined it for you personally? X Files. Yeah, that's kind of the big one, huh? Yeah. Yeah, kind of the granddaddy of them all. Yeah, it it, it coincided with a creative dip as well, and you know how that's tied to, you know, Mulder's presence and, and David Duchovny's talents. You know, to me, that's going to be interlinked, and I'd have to go back and rewatch to really see exactly how that breaks down. But, yeah, I mean, it was a weekly thing in our lives waiting for the trailer for the next week's episode to see if David Duchovny was coming back. And if he wasn't, I mean, the whole my whole family was just much less interested. We, we stuck it out as, you know, loyal Scully aficionados and fans and lovers, but... It just wasn't the same without their dynamic. Well, and especially because what what's what's a good pitch and an interesting idea for what to do about about this, but isn't necessarily like didn't necessarily play was the fact that when that happened, because I have rewatched it recently, um, when they introduced Robert Patrick, and the idea was so Robert Patrick's now the now the skeptic, and Scully is the believer. And that's like, and so it's a total switcheroo on their dynamic. And because, you know, she's seen so much that theoretically she now believes in on a level beyond she, beyond what she believed when she first started with the X-Files. Yeah, like I said, it didn't, didn't play largely because, you know, they knew how to write Scully the Skeptic. They didn't know how to write Scully the Believer. They've always, like, Scully literally fell off an alien spaceship in the movie and didn't believe that she had seen an alien spaceship. Like, it's it's, it's absurd. Uh, and, yeah, so seasons She's eight devout. and nine. What? She's devout. Yeah. But what's interesting is that uh, I feel like I feel like Doggett got some decent consideration, but uh, some decent treatment from, like, in the fandom. But, God, did we all hate Monica Reyes. Like, that was... I remember I, I would watch the X Files with a group of college friends, and I arrived uh, it, arrived uh, for their for the I arrived like late to episode to an episode nine uh, screening screening I say like I wasn't just driving over to their house to watch TV, um, and so I missed the cold open, and they came I came in I was like what I missed, and they're like they killed Reyes, and they were cheering it was sad, but it was but and. There feels like, I mean, Reyes wasn't a great character, but it feels like there might be some latent sexism in there. That's right. I'm calling sexism on the X-Files. That's never happened before in the history of mankind. It's an interesting point, if only because, you know, the hatred of a character who eventually dies, to me, immediately takes me to the OC. And right. that's one of the original characters. Um, um, by the way. She stuck around way too long. <laughs> uh, I, I will note that Reyes was not actually dead. They just, it was a 
cold open fake out. But wow. Yeah, I know. What a twist. What a twist. Way to go, guys. Yes. Um, That's not overdone. But more to Marissa your point. Marissa was dead. Yes, more, more to your point. Let's, I'll, I'm going to let you talk about The O.C. for a little while. Well, Because uh, that was another show that had a lot of turnover. It was a show that had, and see, this is the important way to contextualize that discussion and, and to keep the, keep the overall point going and how this could succeed for Sonny or how it could fail. A lot of it depends on how big your cast is to begin with. So with the OC, you had your four main characters. You had Ryan, Seth, Summer, and the god-awful Marissa. <laughs> but then you also had Sandy and Kirsten. You also had Julie. You also had, you know... Uh, Luke and, and all these people who kind of popped up at school. You had Oliver, which is a hotly contested season one character. And then in season two, you saw a lot of new additions come in. <laughs> you know, most famously Olivia Wilde. Yeah. But, um, but no, like all of this that what didn't remove anyone from the core group. So it was easier for fans to kind of keep going with it because you weren't losing anyone until Marissa died. And by the time Marissa died, the show had kind of jumped the shark to begin with. So their restart in season four, which was great. Season four is fantastic. Um, it was a little bit too late for fans to really you know, stay on board with it. But if you've got this big group of characters... To me, it's a little bit easier to, to move around and replace people and, and move forward. Like, you think back to even something like The Wire, something like, um, oh, I just had it and I lost it. Friday Night Lights, where, you know, eventually these people are, you're going to tell a different story or you want to shift focus to new characters or you've got like a big enough ensemble that you can kind of spread it out or you can introduce people and try out their storylines and see how it works and then either dial it back or dial it forward. You know, there's a lot of ways to kind of move this thing along. Um, Sonny, you know, is rarely more than the core group. There mm -hmm. might be an occasional, you know, guest actor who pops in and out, but they rarely extend, you know, a storyline beyond one episode. So the idea of losing one of those main characters is a lot more dangerous. It's a, it, it would require a lot more skill in replacing them than you know some of these older shows or some of these bigger ensembles. Um, so to me, what's what's interesting about the challenge is: Are you going to try to replace Dennis, or are you going to try to move forward without Dennis? And to me, it's like I think there's solutions in in doing both, but you never want to replace Dennis by bringing in a character similar to Dennis. You would just need an idea for a character who could come in that would add a new, you know, dynamic to the group that would change things and progress the story however they want to creatively progress the story. Yeah, I think... Uh, Diversity would be great, by the way. If they brought in a diverse casting option to Sonny, like in Philadelphia, and made the characters react to him on a regular basis, that could be crazy. I mean, I'm just thinking about Kamel Nanjiani, like... I mean, he's he's already been he's already on another sitcom, so you know he's busy. He's got a lot going on. He's got a movie at Sundance. Yeah, uh, he might be a, a hard get. He that might being be a hard said, get. Sonny has devout fans. I think there's probably a lot of people who could come on board and and who would want to come on board. And yeah. that being said, I don't know if I I wouldn't want them to do an example of this is escaping me, but I bet you have one. Um, I wouldn't want them to do this kind of star parade treatment. Kind of like The Office when Steve Carell oh, was leaving. God, and yeah. they just kept bringing in famous faces because they were like, we need to keep people interested until we come up with a more permanent solution or at least we can transition into a new story. So they just kept bringing in new managers. And you see all of these, you know, just celebrities. And that's kind of a, a tease because you they're there and that's exciting, but it's not a, a permanent replacement. And it feels more like a direct replacement, especially in The Office when they literally made a big to-do about finding a new manager. So there's literally someone replacing his role in the office. 
and you know he's not going to be exactly like Michael, but he is going to be the guy in charge, and right. that's going to set the tone for the series in one way or another. Um, so I, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't want them to go that route. I think they could, but I don't expect them to. Yeah. You know what I really liked was um, when uh, House did, and basically, you know, got rid of its residence. Like, basically, the, ori- oh, yeah. the original, yeah, the original core, the original trio of residents, Omar Epps, uh, uh, I wish I, I could, Jennifer, Jennifer Morrison, mm-hmm. and Hop Australian blog guy. Yeah. His legal name. Um, yes. And Jesse Spencer. I actually remember now that. on what Chicago Fire. One of them. One of the Chicago shows. One of the Chicago's. I think it might be Fire because I think. I feel like he is the fireman. Yeah, he's the fire man. He is hot. Hot like fire. Hot like fire. Man. Hot like fire, man. Ah, he's Never a fireman. Mind. Yeah, I got it. I got you. I quit. <laughs> no, you don't. Um. But yeah, like when because what they did with that was really fun uh, in terms of at the beginning of season four, I believe they literally had forty people in in contention for the final three jobs, and that was part of the game of the the first half of the season was um, House was what was basically treating his search for a new residence like a reality show and eliminating them every week. Yeah, and House the series was basically doing the same thing. No, and they they've said like they were trying characters and it, like um like. I think by the time they got down to like the le- like a dozen, there were a do- basically a dozen real contenders. Yeah, and a lot of them were referred to only by their number. Hence, yeah. uh, Olivia Wilde's character being called thirteen for the entirety of her run on the show. Yeah, which was great. I loved it. Oh yeah, it was fun. Fit yeah, the character. And, um, Fit House's character, I should say, and exactly. her mysterious background. But House was one of those kind of shows again, where not only was it a big ensemble, mm-hmm. but it was focused on one guy. Mm-hmm. Like there were like everybody liked Cuddy, everybody liked Wilson, but it really you just needed house you just needed house and so and i think they proved that more than once yeah but sunny doesn't need doesn't necessarily need dennis to the exclusion of everyone else right so it it could it could go well i think i think what i think you are right that it definitely needs to be a completely different energy um from everyone else and it definitely needs to not be someone too famous but also someone not is someone who can really rise to the occasion. I don't. I don't care if they're famous. If they're famous, I just want them to stick around. I don't want right. the parade of replacements to like walk saying. through the show. Um, again, they could have fun with all of these things. One of the delights in season twelve was how they played with format and how they exposed kind of weaknesses and <laughs> and systematic tendencies, formulas within television. What the you know old lady house making fun of sitcoms, but showing exactly how they can manipulate your emotions. Uh, with the making a murderer spoof, which frankly I think would have been a better exit for Dennis if he would have actually just been released or like unveiled as a murderer and he had to go on the run. Um, but that might have been a more permanent exit as well. So I don't want to judge them. But uh, but no, they've they've shown this ability to kind of CTV integrate it into their own story and, you know, dissect it, satirize it on their own terms. So if they wanted to do that with a replacement for Dennis, they could have a lot of fun in that realm too. So like there's, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. This is what, you know, Howerton has said that the three of them are going to sit down and have a creative discussion as to what they can do to move forward. Um, And Sunny is just such a creative show that you never want to see it go away. Um, But you also have to trust these guys to do what's best for the series because they've all, they always have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most important question we haven't answered, you haven't answered yet, Ben, is who is your Law & Order DA? Oh, I never watched Law & Order. You never watched Law & Order? Um, I grew up in a household where law shows 
were terrible. Oh, that's right. Because that's right. They are completely groundless. They that is not the real world whatsoever. Um, it's a fabricated reality that <laughs> creates a, a horrible presentation of, of what these people do for a living. And uh, yeah, I wasn't going to watch that shit. Coincidentally, Ben's dad might be a lawyer. And a judge. And a judge. Yeah. He's a judge. Judge. That's wonderful. He's wonderful. Oh, that's nice. For the record, the only attorney entertainment, like any narrative movie or TV show you should watch with that's based in the legal world is The Verdict with Paul Newman. Or The Grinder? Uh, the Grinder, yeah. I mean, you could watch that because it's more of a spoof and a satire. Um, you don't trust, I mean, you can trust the, uh, you can trust, <laughs> you can trust one of the characters to be real and then the other character to, to spoof the, re- the fake reality created gotcha. by TV. But, but yeah, The Verdict, Paul Newman. <laughs> there you go. Movie. With that being said, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week, and I'm saying this as I'm getting ready to leave for South by Southwest, yes. where we're go- where I'm going to see a slew of television premieres, um, is one of them. Uh, the Netflix series Dear White People is Yay. fantastic. Yay! I'm glad you liked it. I loved it. Yeah, Yay. it's great. There will be a full review up of the first two episodes as they premiere at South by come Monday, so they should be out today when you're listening to this. Um, and there'll be more coverage of the series as it continues forward. It's obviously a big priority for IndieWire since it was an IndieWire project of the year, the film. Yes. And then the film went on to Sundance. And then the film's success generated this TV show. And it's all done by Justin Simeon. And, you know, we're big fans, guys. So get ready for more. You know who directed an episode of that show? Who, Liz? The guy who directed Moonlight, Barry Jenkins, Academy Award winner. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, one thing that's going to be really exciting to talk about with that show is something I got from an interview uh, a recent interview, uh, the way the way um, the the importance of uh, finding the right cinematographer when you have a show with a lot of people who have a lot of different skin tones, like that's a that's a really interesting thing I hadn't really thought about before. But uh, in talking, in talk, I think that's going to be a topic of conversation that might even be worth an article. Oh boy! I might write an article, Benjamin. First about time for anything. I know. Finally, I'll do something with with all my time instead of just sitting around watching vampire shows. <laughs> it would be a shock to all of us, Liz. But um, please tell me that the best thing you watched last week was not a vampire show. Can't do it. I quit. <laughs> no, but actually, I, well, I, I wanted to take this moment to highlight. So as you as you listen to this, you should have already probably devoured. Um, the list I've been working on all week, which is a comprehensive list with a lot of omissions based on various rules I created. A, compre- a comprehensive <laughs> list with many things missing from it. I'm just saying don't get on my jock about Count, uh, Count Ducula. I loved Count Ducula, don't get me wrong, but I couldn't cover every kid's animated series, oh, goddammit. God. Um, point is, is that in doing my research for this, I ended up checking out, uh, finding uh, details on, or basically watching a fair amount of uh, a classic 90s show called Forever Night, which is kind of the great granddaddy of um, vampire detective help solve crime um, shows, which is a weirdly popular subgenre of this of this of this subgenre. Um, and it was actually really compelling. Like this is like a show from 1994. Um, it's you know so it's but it didn't feel very dated actually, and it had like some real pop, and I really liked the characters. And so I was like. I just wanted to say, Forever Night, I underestimated you when I went in, but I'm ple- I was pleasantly surprised. 
Uh, where is this available to stream? Um, I maybe found it on YouTube, Benj. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. So YouTube. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's not really available anymore, but I I did enough research to find myself really enjoying it. Excellent. Yes, Ben. What's the next thing you're looking forward to? I am looking forward to the final season of Review. Aww. I should have milked that a little bit longer and said the final season and then waited for you to start bitching and moaning about me picking the leftovers again, but I didn't. So Ben, <laughs> at this point, I have learned to just let it wash over me. Yeah, as you should. Actually, as actually, I, 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 and, and occasionally I even bring up the leftovers just to get, put a little more pep in your step. It's an easy way to do it. Easy yeah. way to push my buttons. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm very excited for uh, the, the final adventures of Forrest, uh, our wonderful critic who reviews life. <laughs> and I honestly, there's nothing really to be said about it until we get some new content because it feels like an eternity. It's almost, I think that's a longer wait between, I just discussed this with our review expert, Steve Green, who will be reviewing review for us. But um, I think it's been a longer wait between review seasons than leftover seasons. That's that's unacceptable. Uh, but yeah, because I think no, no, I think you're right. Because it was, uh, it was. I, I think it finaled, it finaled in uh, July 2015. I think. No, I think. it finale, It was October 2015. So okay. I think it's. I think it's almost exactly the same amount of wait, considering this is premiering before the leftovers does. Right. But anyway, it has felt like an eternity, and we've discussed this thing, you know, just for ages, and it's more than worthy of such discussion. Uh, but I cannot wait to see the new episodes as well as just, you know, sit in the giddy glee of this poor critic's struggles. You know what I realized we should do? Ben, we've got to review Steve's review of review. Mm, maybe. I don't know how, but we should do it. Well, I mean, it's easy to review things, Liz. I do it all the time. Do you? Yeah. Hmm. Literally. Hmm. Literally all of my time. <laughs> I have no other time left. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But maybe. It's been done. It'd be fun to do some, you know, like just have them print it out, circle it up, draw some red marks, scan it, upload Oh, that's, I, I like that a lot. We can, we could Instagram it. Maybe. That'd be tough. We can, do, we can Instagram just one page of it. You can't really zoom in, though. You that's true. You might not be able to see anything, so. Yeah. But we could, you know. I think, I think that's up. definitely what we have to do. We'll think about it. Um, we do it as a gallery. No. Absolutely not. You refuse to do it as a gallery. Yes. Why? Because we're... Because <laughs> no. You know why. <laughs> I, I'm, well, I'm very confused about the state of galleries anymore. Anyways, that was a little inside shop talk for you. In the meantime, I can tell you that the next thing I'm looking forward to is um, a little show called Snatch, which I'm going theoretically going to the premiere for tonight. Um, oh boy! Yeah, I mean, I, 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 this is more just like an optimistic. I hope this is good. I. It's all we can do. It's all we can do. Like I, I, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that, if only because it's a break from watching things with vampires in them. <laughs> I've watched so many vampire things. I feel like Ed Westwick has played a vampire in something. He looks like he could be a vampire pretty oh, easily. Um, I don't have any deep emotional attachment to Ed Westwick, but I will look this up because I have to find. I have to know. Maybe there's just some sort of weird fan fiction out there on Gossip Girl where uh, his character Chuck Bass was a vampire. Uh, I mean, it's a distinct I, possibility. How much Gossip Girl fan fiction did you read? 
uh, I don't know how to quantify that, Liz, so I can't really say. He was in something called Freaks of Nature. Unaware. Um, he was on Californication for an episode. He was not a vampire in that, but he, he did a good job. He was in Children of Men. I didn't he know that. He tried to commit suicide. Actually, you know what? What? One of Hank's students. He What? That's in Californication, he was one of Hank's students, and he tried to commit suicide. Oh, he tried to. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, I did not know he was in uh, uh, Children of Men. I also, by the way, not until uh, TCAs did I know he was British. I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That Fun was... fact for all Gossip Girl fans. Also, Rupert Grint. I love Rupert Grint. Sure. He goes around the British countryside giving out ice cream to children. He seems like a perfectly lovely man. Yeah. You don't want to root for him? I, I love to root for Sure, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I don't know if he's given us any evidence to believe in his hmm. acting abilities. Hmm. Hmm. Fair. We'll see. I, I, will, I, I will know. As report of, back, Liz. I will report back. I probably won't be reviewing it, but I will report back. And you'll be able to read all about it on IndieWire.com. Well, I just said I wasn't reviewing it, but somebody will review it, I'm sure. And it's you, on the docket. It's on the docket. We'll tell you all about it, IndieWire.com, where you it's, can find... It's all that I do. <laughs> it's just part of the cycle that is my life. Snatch review from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Wednesday. I like how you know exactly how long it'll take you. Uh, that's optimistic. <laughs> that's probably... Actually, yeah, whatever. Continue. I'm sorry. Yes, it's all right. I was just... I was. It wasn't like I was about to go into a you know pre pre-recorded spiel about how anywhere where you can find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like about your favorite medium. Oh, good. Then I don't have to go into my own bullshit about all these other podcasts that you should be listening to, like Ann Thompson and Eric Cohen on Screen Talk and Chris O'Fault on Filmmaker Toolkit, as well as the Turn It On podcast from our own Michael Schneider, featuring all of the breaking TV news that you need to know this week, including reviews, interviews, and more. Yes. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and then an E. Correct. Uh, this is the last time I'm going to be seeing you for like a week. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while because we've got we've a lot of travel coming up. Uh, but we will be back next week. And in the meantime, keep watching television. <laughs>